Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It was a quiet Christmas day in Germantown, North Carolina in 1929. But at the Lawson family tobacco farm, tragedy was taking place. A few days before, Charlie Lawson had taken his wife Fanny and their seven children into town to buy new clothes and have a family portrait, which would turn out to be their last. The bodies of the family members were found that Christmas day with their arms crossed and rocks under their heads, murdered by their own father. What compelled Charlie Lawson to go on this terrible, murderous spree? Welcome back. Happy holidays. It's not another true crime podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. You know, we're your partners in wine, crime, and Omicron. You know, all of all of the heads. All of the heads. <laughs> My God, seriously. I seriously feel like everybody has it. Uh, yeah, everyone. This uh, this group text for this holiday party that I didn't go to on Saturday, like some somebody that I don't even know just texted like, I stayed in because I hung out with our friend who has COVID. And sure enough, she's like, sure enough, I just got the call that my PCR was positive, even though I had two negative rapid tests. It's, I'm like, it's the new... Uh, crucible, where it's like, I saw Goody Proctor with the devil. It's like, my PCR saw you with COVID. Like, it really (laughs) is just everywhere you look, everywhere you turn. Everywhere you look. Is that the thing? The song? Nailed it. I never saw Full House. I never watched it. That is honestly impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how. I, I didn't watch a lot of shows as kids. Like, my parents were really weird. Again, I feel like I've said this before, but, like, they didn't let me watch like every show that my peers watched, we only had Nickelodeon and Law and & Order, and that was like all <laughs> we were allowed. I feel that is really formative of who you are 100%, as a person. <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, well, that if if you're wondering why I am the way that I am, um, yeah, that's it. And sorry, I have to say, if you think your family messed you up with that, Woo. you will be grateful for Law & Order after this episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you already are grateful for Law and Order, but you know, what it's I mean. true. I already am grateful for Law and Order, but like not in the same way. Um, but yeah, this I found this topic because I was in true fashion, like Googling crimes that happened on Christmas. We've covered a lot of the heavy hitters. We did John Bonet Ramsey, we covered Lacey Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one took us way back in time to way back, ye old 1920s. <laughs> Actually, wow, that's like almost 100 years ago. Well, over 100 years ago. Damn. Right? I, I don't know why no, that made me... Than. <laughs> it's either oh, 90 years or 110 years, and I can't do math. And that's, 1929? If you're expecting me to do math in the end of December 2021, you have another thing coming for you. Yeah, it's. I think it's almost 100 years, but in any case, um, it's called... We're going to be talking about the Lawson family murders... Um, well known for North Carolina, but I didn't know much about it. And I honestly couldn't find a whole lot about it 
what I did find aside from like Wikipedia, but I just I don't know. I don't feel it's like super reputable to just read off Wikipedia. Yeah. That's what all of my professors would say to me in college. So I agree with you. <laughs> right. Thank you. Um, but what I, I did find some some good stuff from like some more local coverage. Um, I think Fox 8, maybe it's like a local North Carolina affiliate had a pod has a podcast called Deadly Secrets, the Lawson Family Murder podcast. And I thought it was pretty good. The episodes were like 20 minutes tops. So Ooh. it was super, super doable. I do kind of wish they had um, kind of like explained more as if because I think the podcast was really made for like local people who lived mm -hmm. in or near North Carolina who'd heard of this murder before, whereas I kind of wish obviously it was for me, <laughs> a.k.a. someone <laughs> who is researching this for the first time. Where so like, you know, this place and then like where this is and everyone's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and you're like, what? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're like, yeah, you know how this happened. And I'm like, wait, this happened? Um, <laughs> but otherwise, I think it gave a pretty good overview. All right, that's good to know. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about this. It's a real gruesome one and really sad, as is most things we cover, honestly. That is, yeah. Well, I mean, I just started just watching Only Murders in the Building. I finished it. <gasps> yes, oh and my I God, was like, finally. Wow, I know. I was like, okay, wow, this is, I was like, Looking at us, and I was like, that's us. That's us doing it. It is literally us. I'm like, you know what? I want to be mad because I know we're being satirized, but I, it's, I love it. So I can't be mad. It's so good. I cannot be mad. I just want to be, I just want to have an apartment on the Upper West Side. <laughs> I mean, that would be nice. Yeah. I want to live in a building with a name. I think that's how you know you've made it. That's honestly real. <laughs> the Arconia. Anyway, let's get into this murder. So the, at the center of this is the family patriarch, a man by the name of Charles Lawson. He was from Stokes, North Carolina. We really don't know a ton about his early life. He married a woman by the name of Fanny Manring in 1911. They had eight children together. Their third, William, died of illness in 1920 when he was about six years old. And around 1918... Charles's brothers moved to Germantown, North Carolina, so Charles moved his family there in 1918. He worked as a sharecropper, farming tobacco mostly, and in 1927, he'd saved enough money to buy his own home on Brook Cove Road. Don't ask me where that is. Somewhere nope. in Germantown. Somewhere. Somewhere. But even though they owned a home, the family was still not wealthy. Um, yeah. I don't know what the earning potential is for a sharecropper, but I'm sure not very much. I guess, yeah. But what does stick out to people is that uh, about a few weeks before Christmas, Charlie, who, they called him Charlie, he took the whole family into town, bought them new clothes, had a portrait done, which was a huge expense for a family that is really coming from pretty modest means. Yeah, and it's not like, I mean, like, obviously nowadays you hear everybody doing like, Christmas photo cards and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't a common thing back then. Like, no, not everyone could just be, like, gather everybody around and take it on, like, a Nikon handheld. Like, they had to go and pay a lot of money for this. Yeah, exactly. And it was just, like, it It was a big expense for, for like, you know, someone who is not rolling and not flush with cash, as John exactly. Ralphio would say. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So then on Christmas morning, so uh, this is literally, 
I mean, this is coming out a few days after your guys' Christmas morning, so here we go. On Christmas morning, 1929, it was pretty normal, although it was one of the snowiest Christmases in years, so you could tell this was very much before global warming. Um, (laughs) Because now there's... White Christmas? Never heard of her. Never. No, I'm going to be putting sunscreen lotion on. (laughs) Charlie's nephew, uh, Sanders, was staying over, so kind of having just some family over and things like that. Charlie's son, Arthur, Charlie's son, Arthur, went rabbit hunting and a few went to play in the snow, kind of just having like your, I don't know, just like a typical, I guess, Christmas morning for people yeah. in the late 1920s, you know, hunting, snow. I know. Isn't it weird? I'm like, it seems so quaint, like the black and white picture. I know. You know, it's really what you, what your grandparents probably have because it's like they're all dressed up. Nobody's smiling in the camera. It's like vaguely sepia toned, you know. I kind of signed up want to bring back the no smiling photos because it's like, yeah. Well, just get your passport photo done. I did it. I looked like a serial killer. <laughs> like straight up. I tried to smize. I really oh. didn't pay enough attention to ANTM. And no, no for just, the best because I would scar you if you did. Dude, I seriously look like a serial killer. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, they're not going to let me into any country. Government building uh, uh, photo situations have the same setup as old old timey ones. <laughs> So they came back in and Charlie's nephew Sanders and his son asked to borrow more shells, uh, like bullets, so they could go rabbit hunting some more. It really does giving me It's a Wonderful Life energy. Mm. Charlie said that he didn't have any, but he sent them to the store to go get some. So this got Sanders and Arthur, one of uh, Charlie's sons, out of the house, sent on an errand to go get more bullets. And this ended up saving their lives. Truly was a was a task that um, literally a task rabbit. Sorry for saying that, but like they wanted to hunt rabbits. Um, they so they uh, not long after that, so they were out of the house. Charlie then ended up sort of almost like instantaneously went on a murder spree of his entire family. So first yeah. he killed his daughters Carrie and Maybell, who were twelve and seven. I believe they were the two playing. I read that they were the two playing in the snow. Not. 100% confirmed, obviously, but mm-hmm. that is where they were, allegedly. And his wife, Fanny, 37, was next. And uh, then his daughter, Marie, who was 17, and then went to his young sons, James and Raymond, who were four and two. And then also his infant daughter, Mary Lou, who was only three months old. That is just like, I mean, it's all extremely heartbreaking, but I think that is one of the worst parts. It's like, how are you going to kill an infant? They're literally helpless. And it's a heart breaking thing too where it, every not it wasn't like i mean not that but like not like everybody was sleeping or everyone was in the same section like went to get different people at different spots too like yeah i mean he just hunted them like throughout the house pretty much yeah. so uh yeah he shot carrie and mabel with a shotgun as they walked within range of the tobacco barn and then he went to bludgeon them to make sure that they were dead Jeez. so it was like very much i mean of course intentional but seeked this out then he put the bodies in the tobacco barn, and after that is when he shot Fanny, who was on the porch. Uh, Marie heard the shots and started to scream while James and Raymond were looking for a place to hide, but obviously there's not he not that large of a house to hide in. And he shot Marie, found the boys, killed them, and M- Mary Lou, who was last, was believed to be bludgeoned to death. Then Charlie went missing for hours. So he kind of just was not in the house. Charlie's nephew, Claude, found the bodies when he went over to say Merry Christmas to the family, which is very insane sight to see. He said that he saw some of the family members laying dead in the house, 
But uh, his two daughters, he killed near the barn, dragged them into the barn, and put rocks over their heads. And their I actually bo- wasn't sure if it was under their heads or over their heads because some news reports said he put rocks like under their heads as pillows. But one of his uh, family members who um, spoke to the journalist for that podcast said that he put them over their heads. So that's something that I'm not super sure on. Mm, okay. But um, the bodies were found with their arms crossed, too. So uh, then around mm-hmm. 5 p.m., Weird. they heard a gunshot, and it was Charlie who went into the woods and uh, shot himself in the heart. I do know that uh, I, I saw a report that people were, like, they saw a lot of, like, footprints and round in circles. So it almost yes. was like he was, like, pacing, debating. I don't know, having an internal dialogue of, like, should I kill myself? Maybe wondering what he has done, things like that. Yeah. Um, they think he yeah. could have been pacing for hours. Yeah, so a police officer, it was bloody footprints uh, circling the tree. And they also found two notes in his pocket. One said, trouble can cause, dot, dot, dot. And the other said, nobody to blame. Very, hmm. very, very bizarre. Um, and I don't Arthur, even know what that, what does that mean? I don't know. Like, like, I don't, nobody to blame makes me think like, all right, he just did this, but then. Yeah, but it's also like, he's to blame. yeah. I don't know. That's weird. And of course, like we mentioned, um, Arthur, uh, Charlie's 16-year-old son, is the sole survivor because he went out to on an errand when this happened, which did kind of, could not confuse me, but it was interesting if like he set out to kill his entire family and he sent one person out on an errand. Like That was sort of a weird situation I, I found. Yeah, so I think I read that he was, Charlie was worried that if Arthur was there, he would have overpowered him oh. or tried to. So I think that according to that theory, that's why he like sent him away. That is interesting. Yeah, but this is a super gruesome murder and I it, it just became like a huge deal. I mean, this was a small town, but I don't know, word got out and the funeral drew thousands of people the casket viewings, which I'm like, why would you, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I understand don't. why you would have a casket viewing for something so brutal when people are like literally shot with a shotgun. I don't know. But there was like a huge line for the viewings. And then after that, even like people were still really interested and they started coming from really all over to just see the house. And Charlie's brother, Marion, started charging people money to view the house. Admission was 25 cents. I don't know what that exchange rate is. Not going to, not even going to ask. Not going to try to do that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and here's where, I don't know, this, it gets a little bit dicey because like they apparently left blood stains for authenticity. And, and like, again, you're just parading people through this home where this unspeakable tragedy occurred. And also it was before, like, they even would have, like, a crime scene to, like, clean up anything or investigate anything. They just left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they left the bodies there, but still, like. Yeah, exactly. And also, I guess there's nothing to investigate because it's all. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, Marion said he did the tours because he needed to raise money for Arthur so that he could settle the family's mortgage. Um, I guess I'm just, like, if you have people coming anyway, I can understand. That's true. And, I mean, that is a smart thing because I didn't even realize that, like, I guess different times i'm like a 16 year old now is in charge of a mortgage like yeah what i yeah i don't know um 
And I mean, it, it was a pretty big tourist trap for about five years after the murder. And um, this is just really a testament to people and how much they suck. But um, I think Marie, the eldest daughter, had baked like a raisin cake the morning of the murders. And the cake was still on the table when they were all killed. And somehow it stayed on the table throughout the tours. But then people started stealing raisins off the cake as souvenirs. Cool. Which is like. That's just mold. Yeah, the weirdest, so gross. grossest thing. So then they ended up putting the cake in um in a glass case, which preserved it for a number of years. Um, yeah, and I'm still like, how is that cake lasting? I guess like a raisin. It's just a solid. From what have we seen from the fruit cakes? From the fruit cake <laughs> the fruit fraud. Cake. They really, they really stick their ground. I guess. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Um, and they even had souvenir photos of the crime scene, which oh god, that's gross. Insane. And then it, it it became even more of a sort of like cultural phenomenon because um, this North Carolina singer-songwriter, Kid Smith, wrote a song about the murders in March of 1929. And it's just this very like folksy, not quite Devil Went Down to Georgia, but like in, in the tune, but in the sense of like it's telling a narrative tale. Like that's, that's the vibe of the song. And it ended up getting the attention of Columbia Records, so the band went to New York to record the song. Um, I I forget the name of the band. I think it was either like the North Carolina Bunnies or Buddies or something like that. I literally couldn't tell from this podcast because of the Southern accents in it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the the song actually ended up selling a lot of records. It sold over 8,000 copies, which was really good for this genre of music, which was called Hillbilly Records. The North Carolina Ramblers. Ramblers. Interesting. I don't know why they were saying buddies. I think that's I, um, the string, because I don't know. If I think maybe they oh, changed their name or something. That could make sense. But um, yeah, I mean, this was like really a lot for this type of genre of music because other so-called Hillbilly Records were selling around like one to 2,000 copies. So this sold 8,000. And even more interestingly, Charlie's brother would sometimes hire the band to play the song outside the house for spectators. Such a bizarro sequence of events that followed. Yes, truly weird. I feel like you would just not see that today. Yes I and hope. no. I mean, I don't like you never. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard to like really because some people do have like there's still like houses that people tour and stuff like that. I guess that's true. Of this, I guess not like so, like immediately after. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, I guess yeah. it does still happen. I was thinking more of like it does happen in the sense that people will show up to places like this, but like usually unwanted. I feel like, but then again, in LA, you can go on those like murder tours and stuff. Oh God, I forgot about that. I didn't. I forgot that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think my friend did one once. There's a lot of ways to waste a lot of money in LA. We'll just leave it at that. Right. Right. <laughs> And you can do those ghost tours in Savannah and like New Orleans. So oh, I that's mean, true. what's the difference except a couple hundred years? Ain't that the truth? I don't <laughs> did a ghost tour in New Orleans and it did freak me out. But also I did get in trouble for talking too much during it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my God. Were you like, wait, same, I would so kill that guy. Like what was, what were you getting I, in trouble for? Yeah. Like, well, cause also it's New Orleans. So you could drink on the tour and we were oh, drinking all the time. They're asking and for it the then. tour guide, she was great, but very like, personality driven which i loved and i thought that meant like oh like we can have a conversation and she liked me at first but i think 
she got tired of me because I would like <laughs> be like a little tipsy, like making like little like remarks here and there. And she was like, this is my job. And I'd be like, okay, thank you. That is so funny. <laughs> and also it was so fucking hot. It was like the middle of the summer. I was uh, dripping. I was like, hurricane was dripping out of my pores. Like the drink. Ew. I was like insane. Yeah, oh, was not, the drink. Yeah, it was not a pretty sight. Still it was gross, not a pretty sight. but ugh. But you know what's better than a hurricane? A voodoo. The purple frozen Ooh. drinks. Anyone who's been to no Leno's. Oh my God, I'm already, I am hungover just thinking about it. <laughs> I haven't had that one. What's in it? Girl, <laughs> do you think? My New Orleans motto is don't ask, don't tell. When they hand me a drink. Oh my I'm God. I'm assuming it's okay. nine different things of grain alcohol. Yeah, that's fair. Some syrup of sorts. And <laughs> you pop it on a ghost tour. I could, okay. not name, I could not name one of the, I'm, I'm sure, 55 ingredients. It's either 55 ingredients or two. Or two. You pop it on a ghost tour and then they get mad at you. And then they get mad at you and then <laughs> then you head to karaoke and you watch a girl uh, do her best Adele and it's sad and you go home. Oh, Adele. That is a it's really right. aggressive karaoke it's, choice. It's, it's, it's a roof stoof. Um, yeah. So I have no theory as to why she sang Adele, but there are theories as to why people think this might have happened. One of the first, I mean, Sarah, you suffer from this and you don't, I don't think you'd ever snap like this. Uh, he suffered from insomnia. I was literally thinking that. I was just like, um, number one, should I be scared? Number two, I don't know. It's been 10 years and, and so far I haven't had the urge to kill my whole family. So okay. next. Bonus. Thank you. Next. All right. So <laughs> yeah. he would get up in the middle of the night, wander around and check his guns. And he had complained to his doctor about severe headaches and insomnia, and according to historical accounts, he was also behaving a little erratically uh, mm. before the incident, before the murders. Uh, he may have suffered a head injury, people are thinking. He was digging a ditch one time when he got hit in the head with a gardening tool. You know how that happens. I think there was some kind of swinging motion, and I guess he must mm. have like lost control of it at some point, and then... I mean, it's, it's no, uh, what was her name, with the sausage grinder. <laughs> oh, my God. A bell? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, side note, you saying swing. I, this is also how you know this is the last episode of 2021. I made a mental note to myself to listen to Swing Swing by the All-American Rejects after this episode of <laughs> it is now stuck in my head. What As a like song. a lesson in how not to get a traumatic brain injury. <laughs> I mean, the All-American Rejects have not had a hit in so long and they're doing Ugh, just They need it. They're so good. Oh my God, I remember seeing them live with Paramore. Best day of my life. Oh my God. It's been all downhill That's from there. so good. Oops, it's been all downhill <laughs> Since middle school. Uh, so he uh, complained of headaches, but nobody knew if the injury happened a year or two before the murders or even 10 years before them. Initial autopsy reports showed that Charlie's brain was small and a portion of the center of the brain <laughs> I know, was I'm underdeveloped. I'm like, burn. <laughs> I also, though, like, how did auto like autopsies in the 1930s? I guess that's like all you can really autopsy. In like 1930. <laughs> it's Autop- all you can autops. It's like, what are you going to be like? Because like, I feel like that's the thing. They take out the brain. They're like, okay, it's small. Like you're, you can't really scan it or x-ray it. I suppose that's a good point. Right? I don't so know I when think- x-rays were invented. I actually don't know either. And now I'm getting confused of like how do x-rays work and it's freaking out my head. So I need. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It was interesting that I found that info on his brain, but it uh, they didn't really give info on like. They said one part of his brain was underdeveloped, but they didn't really say which part. Uh, yeah, right. I'm yeah, like, are I, we talking? It wasn't the prefrontal cortex, which is like the judgment zone, ooh. somewhere in the middle. So I'm like, I don't know. What are we talking? Like the amygdala? 
Oh, okay. She's throwing out some psych terms. Okay, AP psych. <laughs> so the book, also, there was a book coming, like, in regards to this, too. Mm-hmm. White Christmas, Bloody Christmas, uh, in 1990, really, really reignited this case, brought it wide open. Yes. Uh, Charlie, and Charlie's niece, Stella, uh, claimed to this that, he, uh, that uh, Charlie was abusing Marie. So Stella said that at the yes. funeral, she overheard Fanny's sister-in-laws and aunts discussing the murder, and Fanny had a, a, apparently confided in them that she was worried about Charlie and Marie. Yes. Also, I just wanted to shout out the um, authors of the book. It was oh, M. Yes. Bruce Jones and Trudy J. Smith. Um, so Bruce was like really interested in the these murders, and he collaborated with his daughter on it, and this book was like really a big deal that um, put forth this pretty plausible like theory of why this happened. Cause I feel like before that it was just kind of a mystery. It was like, well, maybe the head injury, maybe the insomnia, like who knows. And um, so, yeah, it was a very, very interesting that this came to light. And uh, she, Marie, I mean, uh, Fanny had been suspicious of the abuse since at least early 1928. <laughs> And their follow-up book, a close friend of Marie's, Ella May, said that Marie told her that she was pregnant just a few weeks before the murder. Oh, boy. Which could have been some motive. Ella May also said that Charlie and Fanny knew about the pregnancy. Uh, Another family friend confirmed that there were issues within the family but refused to disclose the particulars of that. But however, according to Greensboro.com, no autopsy report ever really indicated that Marie was pregnant. But also then, like, back then, I don't know if she... If that just was eradicated or maybe she thought she was pregnant. There's no way to take a pregnancy test, you know? Right. It's like maybe she wasn't pregnant at the time of her death. Like maybe she lost the pregnancy or something mm-hmm. like that. But I don't know. I'm like if if his relatives are saying years later that this was the case, I'm going to go ahead and believe that that was the case. One thing that bothered me was that um, – like reports kept referring to it as incest when I feel pretty strongly that that is like child abuse. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it's like child abuse and rape. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's not okay. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that seems pretty likely to me as to what happened. I do feel like the brain injury thing could also certainly play into it. Um, and I feel like there are a lot of like serial killers and, murderers who do suffer like a certain type of brain injury like i i feel like richard ramirez was maybe one if i remember oh um yes uh what's that called c um oh yeah cte that's like the football players though right the football oh yeah the football players yes yeah um i don't i mean i don't know i kind of i could see all of these things kind of coalescing into into all of it because i feel like any any reasonable person could probably deal with like one of these things, but like all of them at once, mm-hmm. is all at once, all at once. Plus the plus, like knowing that your like child abuse could come to light, could just be the like, I don't know, the match or whatever. Yeah, and then I mean, I you never know too. Like if it was like uncustomary for some like a family of their um status to get like the family card too i also was wondering like maybe their money was an issue when he was being like grandiose with like having this family photo moment and then also maybe it was coming up in what's ended with that that was just like a theory i was running with like to add on top of all that 
Yeah, I kind of wondered if he did it because he wanted to like remember the family in better times. But then it's kind of interesting that he ended up taking his own life. But maybe he just wanted the whole family to be remembered. Remembered. Like better than the way that they died. What? I don't know. Super brutal. Super, super brutal. I don't know. I, I don't feel like there's that much of a mystery here. Honestly, there probably was before the White Christmas, Bloody Christmas book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure because I'm that did answer like a ton of stuff, and it's just kind of one of those insane like uh, when it's like the awfulness of like ever like the person who committed the atrocities then took themselves out of the equation. So there's no you can't really get answers from it. Right. No, that's totally true. It reminds no, me of like I feel like we've covered a few cases where someone has just killed their whole family, oh, and it's always God. just like why? Why do that? It's so awful. Yeah. What's what's not awful, what's not a mystery, I really apologize for this horrible transition, everybody, is Jorge with a game. There's no mystery about what's going to happen at the end of every episode. That's I'm going to come up with a game. <laughs> that much we <laughs> yes. know. The, the, the one mystery is who's going to win. That is true. <laughs> that is true. So today, I thought we could take a little interesting look into the history of the crop that our friend or actually not friend our mm-hmm. enemy charlie lawson was growing in his farm tobacco okay it's an interesting crop that we don't know too much about or at least i didn't i found some interesting questions yeah i don't think i know anything about it well we're about to learn all right because that's what we do here and not another true crime <laughs> podcast yeah, so it's just good old-fashioned trivia i feel like we haven't done this in a while that's true. So uh, let's jump into it. All right. The first question. What is the scientific name for the tobacco plant? I got some multiple choices here. Is it A, vulgaris nicotinium, B, steatoda nobilis, C, nicotiana tabacum, or D, tabacus frontum? Hmm. I'm going to do C. I'm going to do D. Danny, you are correct. It is, oh, in man. fact, Nicotiana Tabacum. Uh, fun Makes fact, sense. option B, Steatoda nobilis, is the name of the spider that bit Spider-Man. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man. Shout out to anyone who's a fan of Tom and Zendaya. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, yeah, that is the name for the tobacco plant. A couple of fun fact about this plant. It is a herbaceous plant usually grows from three to six feet kind of like human sized it was originally used as an ornamental plant before someone had the wonderful idea to smoke it and i found this amazing story that maybe we should cover at some point about a belgian count visart the bocarman Uh. who used (laughs) the tobacco plant to poison his brother-in-law in the 17th century because he needed some money so Wait, he how? like he he just talked to this chemist and he was like turn this into a poison and the chemist was like right away Damn. <laughs> right away because I'm like it takes you like seventy years to die from like tobacco whatever yeah oh, that's true it, it was super concentrated and he invited his brother in law over for dinner and then just poisoned him and he died on the spot <laughs> and then 
the the count himself was beheaded for his transgression. Oh, good. Oh, damn. Yeah. I want to yeah. know about like the first person who ever decided to smoke tobacco because it's not like weed that gets you high. So, like, what was the thought process of yeah, I'm gonna keep smoking this, girl? You're like, yeah, I'm just I'm just coughing up a lung, and I'm not hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it he gives you a drunk. little bit of a head rush, right? It yeah, does kind of give you a little bit. It, it is kind of a drug. No? It's addictive. It is a drug. So I know. It's no, addictive. Like it's, probably, it's probably that where they're like, this is awful. I'll do it every single day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the likeliest of the scenarios. They're like, hmm, I'm getting kind of skinny. Let's keep going with this. Honestly. <laughs> it's the same as like, how did like we start milking cows? You don't want to. I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. very true. <laughs> Who start? Yeah. Okay, so next up, we do know that smoking is very bad for you, but smoking may prevent which of the following diseases? Huh? Is it Alzheimer's? Living? Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the disease of life? Colitis or Parkinson's? Um, I'll go with Parkinson's. What's the second one? Alternative colitis. I don't even know what the I'm going to, I'll go with that. You're both correct. In fact, all three of these is correct. This seems like a harmful message to promote. Cures, people. (laughs) (laughs) Also, how does smoking prevent something? Is ulcerative colitis like ulcers? Like how on earth? Of the stomach, yeah. Yeah, how on earth would smoking prevent ulcers? I guess because you drink ulcers. So an Australian study was Oh God, of course. I don't know what they're smoking down there in Australia, (laughs) but they concluded that current and former smokers have a 41% lower risk of Parkinson's disease. And similar studies came out saying the same for diseases like ulcerative colitis and Alzheimer's. And what they think is that it's not necessarily the smoking of tobacco, but the nicotine itself that prevents these diseases from growing. So it's kind of like, you know, if you take Clorox, you can cure your COVID because you'll be dead and you won't have COVID. (laughs) I think it's that type of logic, you know, (laughs) but it's it's true. It's in scientific journals. Like it's been suggested that some people that have kind of like allergies to some sorts of ulcerative colitis medication that they smoke instead. What? (laughs) Isn't that insane? That no, oh my god, that is Yikes. completely nuts. <laughs> I know. All right, next up in the 18th century, the European upper classes became fond of which particular tobacco product? Was it chewing tobacco, cigarettes, snuff, or cigars? Oh, why did I not think cigars were tobacco? <laughs> what did you think they were? I don't know. Cigar stuff? <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference of snuff and chewing tobacco? There is a difference here. Oh, I can't tell you because it might give it away. I don't uh, know what snuff is, so I'm going to go with that. I also want to go with that. <laughs> Join me. I don't even know. You know what it is. I don't. No, I don't. Oh. <laughs> I know what I thought it was, but it's not. Well, you're both correct. It is, in fact, snuff. Well All done. Right. So this is what snuff is. It's powdered, <laughs> dry tobacco, which is often flavored or scented. 
So it's kind of like the cocaine version of tobacco, if that makes sense. Ew. Oh. It's I was going to say, yeah, because that's the best part of the cigarette is the smell. <laughs> <laughs> so you can take a pinch of it and then just like stuff it under your nose and just sniff it. And that's how you get the tobacco hit. Hmm. So it was in the 18th century, all the cool kids were doing it. It was almost a universal habit among the aristocracy. And it was both men and women. Okay, shout out, girl bosses. Yeah, shout out. (laughs) So most of them carried what was called a snuff box. It was a little little case, I guess, that was made of silver or gold. It was embellished. If you were rich enough, you could put some precious stones on it. Cute. And it's uh, it's kind of like chewing tobacco, um, but it's dry. And the American version, also known as dipping, um, is moist. So oh, this ew. is just dry that you inhale, and the chewing tobacco or dipping is the one that you put like in between your gums and stuff. And oh my god, I remember that. both gross. I remember like I feel like baseball players in high school. Oh, was- for sure. Yeah. dipping and they would like spit it in water bottles yeah it's so vivid gross. visceral memories of that so gross i also didn't know smoking gave you like tobacco would give you a rush yeah you get a head rush smoking oh. a cigarette the issue i think becomes is like you only get that if you don't smoke every day but most people smoke every day so you get <clears throat> you know you develop a sort of resistance or tolerance mm. to it Kind of defeats the purpose. Of Isn't that life chasing the high? You can <laughs> <Exactly>. never get. <laughs> I also, I just watched uh, Moneyball. Have you guys watched that movie? Oh, yeah. And uh, Brat Pitt in it plays like some baseball coach and he does, does chewing tobacco. And it's like, Jesus, it's so, it's so gross. Gross. Oh my, god. oh, my God. It's truly like watching Secretariat. Right. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm going to go with you on it. Like a horse chewing. That's what people look like chewing chewing tobacco. Gross, (laughs) gross, gross, gross. Well, now that we know that cigars are in fact tobacco, (laughs) which president was known for smoking up to 30 cigars a day for all his adult life? Huh? Was it Andrew Johnson, Bill Clinton, Andrew Jackson, or Ulysses S. Grant? I'm like all these motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> I, don't I feel like I can see cigars. Ulysses doing that. I could see him too. I'll go with Andrew Jackson. He Sarah, you sucks. are correct. It yeah. is, Ooh. in fact, Ulysses S. Grant. Totally seems like a Ulysses move. <laughs> he was the 18th president from 1869 to 1877. He was also a general in the Civil War, general of the North. Mm-hmm. Very well known. Yep. But at least 28 presidents we know of were like regular smokers. And Bill Clinton was also known for, you know, smoking the occasional cigar. But yeah, Grant. 30 a day. We know we knew way too day. much even in the 90s to be allowed. That's true. Then. Yeah. I mean, right. we know a lot of stuff in the 90s. Bill still did. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, Ulysses actually died at 63. Which okay. not bad, not bad for the 1800s, 30 cigars. right? That's but also true. He did die of throat cancer, so yeah, shocking Adoya, nobody. Adoya. <laughs> yeah, <Adoya. laughs> All right, last up, we have a tie game right here. Oh shit! So, oh shit! Anybody's game. As of 2009, which country 
was the largest producer and consumer of tobacco? Was it India, Indonesia, the United States, or China? Mm. Mm. I don't feel like it's any of these. It's mm. hard. The largest manufacturer of it? Producer and consumer. Oh, okay. So both, yeah. Do we... I'm like, do they still grow tobacco in the U.S.? I don't feel like we do. But then okay. again, I've never heard of like tobacco farms in China. I know I or never any know. of those places. Wait, this is a good time. We don't buy cigarettes, so I never know what the cigarettes are made. No, seriously. Same. Um, I'm gonna go with Indonesia. Hmm. Based on nothing. <laughs> I know that I mean, seems like a not bad choice. Um, I know. China doesn't feel right. I'm going to go with the United States. Doesn't feel right either, but send it. You are both incorrect, unfortunately. The correct answer was, in fact, China. Oh, for real? Oh. Yeah. There are over 300 million smokers in China, Hmm. which is a third of the world's total. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Over half of all adults there are smokers. Damn. It was not even the the smoking that... Held me up. It was like I didn't know that they grew tobacco there. Yeah, uh, tobacco has sort of it's a tropical plant. It's originally from the Americas, so it can't really grow in places that are too cold. Oh. So China is kind of like right in the middle there. So it's it's a good good spot for uh, for growing some tobacco. Fun fact: That's one bonus of global warming, all you smokers, you'll be able to get more more <laughs> tobacco everywhere. <laughs> Well, we have a tie game, which feels like uh, the perfect way to end the year. That's true. With a little little tie. No winners, no losers here. Only winners of knowledge. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> we both know enough about tobacco to continue not smoking. <laughs> and, and that is on that. And yeah, we hope this, this is like a PSA. We're like, thank you, Michelle Obama, for sponsoring the podcast. Do not smoke. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, thank you all for listening this year. I mean, always a pleasure. And I mean, we're excited for 2022. Not to see what happens in the world, because you never fucking know, but to be keep on doing this podcast with you all. And uh, with that, always, of course, Join. I mean, if you want a New Year's resolution that's so easy, make it joining our Facebook page because it's so much fun there. Not another true crime group or following us on Instagram. Not another true crime. Yes, we'll keep doing our daily trivia slash polls. It's a good time. We have fun. So much fun. So much fun. You can follow me on Instagram at Sarah Lameem. And you can follow me at Cashmere Danny, Cashmere with a K. And we'll see you in the new year. Ah! Ah! <laughs> It's more, I feel like that's more, yeah. We did it, friends. We won't make any promises about 2022 and its quality, but just that we are making it there. The one thing we know is it's quantity. 365 days of who the fuck knows. (laughs) That's real as fuck. (laughs) We'll see you next year. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.